0: Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa. A passion for sport production will be look at African football. What's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe. Joined by Ida Waringa and by Stuart Weir. And on this week's show, we speak to Nigeria and Everton midfielder Alex Iwobi, looking back on a difficult season as the Toffees escaped relegation on the final day, but as he was named their player of the season. This is two seasons in a row, but nevertheless, we've escaped
1: relegation, so we end, up, end on a positive, but we've still got a lot to work and improve, so next season we shouldn't be in that position again, hopefully.
0: That's coming later. Also, we talk about Khalidou Koulibaly's move from Chelsea to al Hilal in Saudi Arabia. And Stuart focuses on N'Golo Kante's time in the English Premier League as he moves on to Saudi Arabia too. Let's start at the under-23 Africa Cup of Nations in Morocco. The group stage ends this weekend. The hosts were the first team to qualify for the semi-finals, and Niger have had their first ever under-23 AFCON win as they beat Gabon. There are just eight teams taking part. The top three qualify for the Paris Olympics next year, and the fourth place team goes into a playoff against an Asian team for a place at the Olympics. Well, Morocco had wins over Guinea and Ghana in their first two games. Congo-Brazzaville lost their first two games to Guinea and Ghana. They're out already. That means either Guinea or Ghana join Morocco in the semifinals from Group A. They'll play on Friday in a huge game. In Group B, Niger and Egypt are on four points, Mali are on three, and Gabon are out already with no points. Niger play Mali on Saturday. Niger will qualify for the semi-finals if they draw or if they win, but Mali will progress if they can get a victory there. Egypt play Gabon. They only need a draw there to make it through to the last four. Uh, the semi-finals are on on Tuesday and the final next weekend on Saturday. That's at the under-23 Africa Cup of Nations finals in Morocco. Uh, more on next week's show. Now the movement of big-name players to Saudi Arabia continues with Khalidou Koulibaly leaving Chelsea to join al Hilal for a fee believed to be between 21 and $25 million. The Senegal centre-back is 32. He signed for Chelsea from Napoli last July on a four-year deal but played just 32 games for Chelsea in all competitions, scoring two goals in 23 Premier League appearances. Uh, Well, Ida, there was much excitement when Koulibaly joined Chelsea, but uh, an underwhelming time in the English Premier League for him. And he's another to be lured by the money in Saudi Arabia. I mean, he said it openly,
2: Steve. He said that the money he will make in Saudi Arabia will help out his entire family as well as support the many projects he has back home. He also talked about the Islam culture and religion of the country, saying that it will be conducive for him, seeing as he's also Muslim. Plus, he also mentioned game time, you know, being a big driving factor for his decision. Koulibaly actually talked to Senegal coach al Cisse prior to the move because he hopes that the regular playing time in Saudi Arabia will prepare him for the Senegalese national team as well as the upcoming Afghan Steve, at 32, I do feel that Koulibaly is young, and especially for a defender, especially in his position. Because oftentimes we see defenders and goalkeepers, you know, playing to a ripe old age, much older than, say, strikers. So there is a part of me that feels at 32, he had a bit more he could do in England, you know, especially if we base it on his form prior to that weird year in the EPL. But on the flip side, this also looks like a situation where he didn't have too much agency. No, because Chelsea was literally offloading players. He arrived at Stamford Bridge with European and international honours. You know, he helped Napoli win the Italian Cup in 2020. And he'd just come in from helping Senegal claim the Afghan in 2022. But his four-year deal at Chelsea just wasn't meant to be. Fellow Afghan winner, Edward Mendy, by the way, will join Koulibaly in the Saudi League, Steve Al-Ali, the Saudi Arabian Al-Ali. And just like that, you know, you have Koulibaly, you have Karim Benzema, N'Golo Kanté. Cristiano Ronaldo and a few others, all in the Saudi League.
0: Yes, and uh, Morocco's Hakim Ziyech also set to move uh, to the Saudi Pro League. He's reportedly agreed terms with Al Nasser uh, pending the completion of a medical. We've spoken about the Saudi League with Stuart on the show recently, but uh, what are your views, Ida, on what's uh, happening there with the transformation of their league?
2: Right, so focusing on the Saudi League, Well, Steve, many people seem to think that it just spurred to light with Cristiano, but the plans have been in the making for years. The league's objective is to be a top five league globally. So the politics of business do get a bit murky here because the same Saudi Arabian entity, which owns Newcastle, it's called the Public Investment Fund, Well, it's now taken over the four leading clubs in the Saudi Arabian League, meaning that they're no longer state-owned. And this, as you can imagine, you know, it's raised some eyebrows with some questioning the possible conflict of interest, with it having stake in both leagues where it's doing business, you know, the English Premier League and the Saudi Arabian League. Some have even accused it of having a stake in Chelsea. So, the likes of Gary Neville have called for an embargo on transfers to Saudi until an investigation is done. The issue of financial fair play, at some point, many imagine, (laughs) must come in. And, to me at least, it does seem like the Saudi League is growing quicker than the MLS, no? Because, look, sure... The American League is much older. It had the likes of Pele playing in it in the 1970s, though back then it was called the North America Soccer League, I believe. However, in the modern era, the MLS took a while before attracting big names. I'll speak for my generation at least, you know, and it was the likes of David Beckham who made me pay attention to the American League, you know. And while he was a huge star, He wasn't anywhere near the likes of Cristiano. So, as we speak, in less than a year, the Saudi League has two Ballon d'Or winners. One of them is a multiple winner. It has two World Cup winners in Benzema and Kante. It has an Afghan winner in Kulibali. is about to have another one in Mendy. I mean, this is substantial weight, Steve. And say what you will about the French Ligue 1, for example, but it currently doesn't have any Ballon d'Or winner. The only thing about things that light up quick is they also tend to fizzle out just as quickly, you know, hype, as many call it. People have come to compare it with a Chinese Super League, for example, that didn't quite live up to its billing. I mean, sure, they didn't manage to get any Ballon d'Or winners, but they did get the likes of Carlos Tevez and Hulk, remember? For me, at least, it was Hulk who made me take note of the Chinese Super League. So, Saudi has been showing its interest in sport. It's hosting Formula One races... It's purchase of Newcastle, no matter how controversial, you know. It now has a joint 2030 World Cup bid with Egypt and Greece. And now with Cristiano, the league started to be shown in every major market. So all I'm saying is that I wouldn't rule it out so quickly.
0: Yes, the Saudi league could grow into a strong and competitive league. Uh, We'll see. It's going to be very interesting in the next few years. Thanks, Ida. Stay with us uh, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to our interview with Nigeria and Everton midfielder Alex Iwobi. Now, Iwobi was named Everton's Player of the Season as he helped the Toffees to avoid relegation on the final day of what was a very difficult season for them. Iwobi spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Alawashina Akaleji. Of course, the club want to be doing better. We don't want to be in the position we were. So
1: this is two seasons in a row. But nevertheless, we've escaped relegation, so we end, up, end on a positive. But we've still got a lot to work and improve, so next season we shouldn't be in that position again, hopefully. When you get rewarded for your own performance, how does that make you feel, knowing that, look, um, it's not easy... For you to be voted as the best player of the season um, Of course it's, it's an honour to be given that award But I'd like to say a special thanks to my teammates and my staff Because without them I wouldn't have got that award They've helped me to play very well this season So I'm grateful for them It's funny how a young boy who just left Arsenal Went to um, Everton And everyone's saying Oh Alex this, Alex that You've come up in leaps and bounds Much old and everything's going well for you this time around You're set with players now What's the secret behind that? Um, I guess there's no secret, just playing with confidence. I feel like the older I've got, I've got that experience to just allow myself to enjoy football and express myself. I am not really mind what people say or the critics say. At the end of the day, I just judge my performance for myself and always know I can always do better and analyse my games. Of course, you like to listen to some criticism, but I don't let it get to me anymore. I just focus on my football and try and do as much as I can. Have you ever seen fans as demanding as Nigeria in your life as a football, professional footballer? Of course, everywhere I go, in Everton, <laughs> Arsenal, Nigeria, everyone wants to, the best for their club. The same way the players we want to do the best for our club or for our national team is expected. Everyone wants to win something, and so do we. So we just have to do our best to
0: try and, try and achieve something. Well, that's Nigeria and Everton midfielder Alex Iwobi speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji. Well, Ida, a tough season for him, but he did deserve that award for Everton's player of the season.
2: He did, Steve. I mean, he was a light in a dark season for Everton, where they only just survived relegation on the final day of the season. Iwobi has one more year left on his contract at Goodison Park, but it does make you wonder. He's now 27, he's clearly so much more confident in his game, so... Does he really want to go through the possibility of yet another daunting season at Goodison Park? Or is Everton maybe also looking to get a good deal on him now that he's also doing pretty well? I mean, Iwobi has literally transformed Steve from a transfer disappointment a few years ago to a crucial cog in the first team. He played all 38 Premier League games last season. He scored two goals and got eight assists in the process. So he has talked about wanting to play in the UEFA Champions League again. You know, he last did that with Arsenal years ago. It is an ambition of his. So his next move will definitely keep many interested.
0: Yes, thanks Ida. Hopefully another good season ahead for Alex Iwobi. We'll see if he will move from Everton. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, and still to come, a steward on the importance of diet for footballers. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And our website is planetsport.tv. Our latest blog is up there. It's called What Does Success Look Like? Uh, So as uh, we've had lots of trophies won in the last few weeks uh, around the world, Russ Bravo uh, takes a look at what real success in life is all about. Uh, That's on our website, planetsport.tv. And you go to the blog section. It's called What Does Success Look Like? Let's go to social media now and last week we asked for your thoughts on Asamoah Chan as Ghana's all-time top goalscorer announced his retirement from football last week. The uh, 37-year-old Jan hadn't actually played for two years but there had been talk of a comeback and he had hoped to play for the Black Stars at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Of course, Asamoa Jan uh, missed a penalty famously at the 2010 World Cup against Uruguay at the end of extra time. Uh, the penalty awarded after Luis Suarez had blocked the ball with his hand on the line. Uh, Jan took the resulting penalty and it hit the crossbar. If it had gone in, almost certainly Ghana would have gone through to the semi-finals and would have been the first African team to get that far at that stage. But as it was, they lost to Uruguay in a penalty shootout. We had a great response uh, on this one, a fond memories of Asamoa Jan. We start in the Gambia, and Usman Minte says, Jan was one of our favourite players in Africa and in the world at large. He'll ever be remembered as a great player and as Ghana's leading scorer of all time. Uh, Balong Baji in the Gambia says, Jan was a reliable player. He manoeuvred well with the ball and the interchange of passes, which drew smiles from many, says Balong. Uh, Lots of people talked about the World Cup with its highs and lows in 2010. Cesar Coffey in Ghana says it was his remarkable performance at the 2010 World Cup. Uh, So too said KD Abdallah in DR Congo. Uh, Sule Umaru in Cameroon says it was his iconic goal against the USA at the 2010 World Cup. Uh, Yes, uh, that goal late on, uh, taking Ghana through to the quarterfinals. Mathieu Asande says it was his extraordinary goal against Team USA at the World Cup, and Joseph Macau also talked about uh, the wonderful goal in 2010 for Jan. On the other hand, uh, many remember Jan uh, for his biggest shortcoming. Uh, Serafin Nga in Cameroon says it was the penalty miss against Uruguay at the World Cup. Willy Charvin in Kenya says yes, when he missed that golden penalty against Uruguay, And Ishmael Lumbile in Botswana says it was when he missed that penalty against Uruguay back in 2010. Uh, Other great memories. Levi Otuekong in Nigeria says he was a good dancer. Uh, Also saying the same thing was Sule Umaru in Cameroon. Uh, Nencha Nati Njala says it was his haircut and missing a penalty. Indeed, uh, Asamoa Jan had some amazing haircuts. At one point, he had his jersey number, the number three, etched on the side of his head. And uh, many thought it was strange that Jan had the number three as he was a striker. And uh, Jan's brother Bafour once suggested that the number three was his jersey number as it represented the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit in the Christian faith. And a couple of other general comments. Sideko Suno in the Gambia says, wishing him a happy retirement from football and all the best of luck in life. And finally, Bula Rice says, thank you from Morocco. We really enjoyed your sporting career. I regretted hearing that you had retired. You'll remain in our hearts and an African star that history will never forget. Well, thanks very much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Asamoah Jan, certainly a very, very popular player. Well, this week on social media, asking which player would you like your team to sign... We've had plenty of big money moves already in the European transfer market, with Jude Bellingham to Real Madrid and Declan Rice to Arsenal among the most notable. Uh, there's still a long way to go, though. So, which player would you like your favourite team to sign? You can give us your views on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three Uh, Which player would you like your team to sign? Well, now let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. Let's start uh, with the transfer market. And uh, those moves to Saudi Arabia continue to uh, make the headlines, Stuart.
3: The really surprising move, I think, is Ruben Neves, a Portuguese player uh, signed from Porto in 2018 and a regular in the Wolves midfield. For five years, is also going to Saudi Arabia. Um, Steve, personally, I'm sorry he's going, because one of his 27 league goals was scored in the seventh minute, which gave me a chance to tell you that Neves spells seven backwards. Now, he's just 26, by far the youngest player leaving the Premier League to go to Saudi Arabia, and you could actually say, is he sacrificing uh, his... Uh, International future. Forty one caps for Portugal at the moment, but will they continue to pick him uh if he's playing a lower standard of football? I think the transfer also suits Wolves because sixty million dollars to me seems an awful lot of money for a good but not outstanding player. Two new signings by Tottenham, they've got a new goalkeeper, Guglielmo Vicario, he's a twenty six year old Italian, played over 200 games in Italy, but not for any of the top teams and he's not an international. Tottenham already have two international goalkeepers, Ugo Lloris and Fraser Foster, both excellent, but they are 35 and 36. But it remains to be seen whether Vicario is seen as backup or whether he's going to replace the two ageing keepers. Tottenham have also signed James Madison from Leicester City. Now the acquisition of one of the most creative and unpredictable Attacking players in England will certainly help Spurs, but it also makes it so much harder for Leicester to get back into the Premier League, losing not only their best player, Madison, but also Telemans, who is expected to leave on the 1st of July when his contract is up. Now, we've known for several weeks that Declan Rice was going to leave West Ham, but where would he go? Arsenal seemed to be the most likely destination. Then Manchester City started to declare an interest. West Ham were probably rubbing their hands as the price went up as the two tried to outbid each other. Arsenal have now secured the deal for $125 million, Manchester City having dropped out after pushing the price up. AFC Bournemouth have signed Justin Clivert from Roma, although he hasn't actually started a game for Roma since 2020, having been on loan in Germany, France and Spain. Now, if the name is familiar, it is, because he's the son of Patrick Clybert, who was such a star with Ajax, Barcelona and Netherlands 20-something years ago. But it'll be intriguing to see what the 24-year-old Clybert Jr. can do in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, very interesting. And Angolo Kante's move to Saudi Arabia, another significant one.
3: Yes, we talked last week, but I just thought I wanted to acknowledge what an amazing career he's had in the Premier League. He plays for France, but of course uh, he is from a family from Bali. And when Leicester signed him in 2015, uh, frankly, few people had ever heard of him. But since then, he's won the Premier League with Leicester, the Premier League with Chelsea, and also at Chelsea, the FA Cup, Europa League, Champions League, World Club Championships, as well as the World Cup with France. Often an underrated player who just covers so much ground. There used to be a joke when he played for Leicester that Leicester had three in midfield, Danny Drinkwater in the middle, and Canty on both sides of him. And he was a ball winner. In his career in the Premier League, he made 507 interceptions, more than anyone else during that period. And he regained possession 1,700 times, the second most during that time. So such a useful player. He was known as a player who interacted with fans, posing for selfies, giving high fives, taking time to talk. And I knew somebody who played with him at Leicester. And the players had this kind of uh, sort of fun disciplinary code that you could be fined for being badly dressed or fine for having the worst haircut. But Kanti, my friend told me, refused to pay his fines, saying, look, I need to keep all my money to support people in Africa and help with projects to make Mali better. At 32, he decided to cash in going to Saudi Arabia. And again, as a Muslim, perhaps he will be more comfortable in the country than others might be. A great player and a fine man, and he will be missed in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, definitely another side to this is uh, the money that players can earn in Saudi Arabia and how they can then use it to uh, help others. And Stuart, you've taken a look at the importance of diet for players. Steve, I don't mean to be
3: critical of you, but I just wonder how well you prepare for presenting this programme. I mean, I'm thinking specifically, as you say, of your diet. Let me tell you how Manchester City prepared for the Champions League final. The game was on Saturday evening. So on Friday evening, they had dinner loaded with carbs. Kevin de Bruyne, I'm told, had chicken, spaghetti, tomato and peppers. On match day, breakfast was porridge, fruit, bread and a smoothie to drink. Then lunch was exactly eight hours before kickoff. White fish, chicken breast, rice, pasta, potatoes. Then they had a snack exactly three and a half hours before kickoff. A banana, some bread if they wanted it, and apparently rice pudding was quite popular. And throughout the day, the players' urine was being tested to make sure that they were properly hydrated. And then after the match, they drink special rehydration drinks. Isn't it amazing how nutrition, both diet, both the content and the timing, has become so important for players, to help them perform at the right level.
0: Yes, and Manchester City, the UEFA Champions League reigning champions, and amazingly, the new Champions League is officially underway for the new season, Stuart.
3: It's incredible, isn't it, Steve? Just three weeks since Manchester City beat Inter in the 2023 final, the 10th of June to be precise, and next year's competition is already underway. And I can bring you up to date and tell you that Athletic Escaldes of Andorra lost 3-0 to Podgorica of Montenegro. Well, a total of seventy-eight teams from fifty-three countries will be involved either playing in the preliminary round or getting a bye into the knockout stages, as the four English clubs Manchester City, Manchester United, Arsenal, and Newcastle do. Russian clubs are again excluded because of the country's invasion of Ukraine. So The preliminary round is this week. Then there are three qualifying rounds throughout July and August to decide which teams will start in the group stage, which is in the middle of September. The final is on the 1st of June, 2024. So it really is a year-round competition with literally Champions League games in all 12 months of the year. Something else struck me about the Champions League, Steve, is how dominant Premier League clubs have been. Manchester City became the sixth English club to have won the European Cup or the Champions League. Manchester United, Liverpool, Nottingham Forest, Aston Villa and Chelsea are the others. In comparison, only three Italian, three Dutch, three German clubs have been winners. Only Real Madrid and Barcelona from Spain. Portugal have had two clubs winning and four other countries once each. And Manchester became the second city to have two clubs, with United and City, alongside Milan, with AC and Inter. Amazing how it is dominated by a small number of countries and a small number of clubs. And finally, Steve, I I thought you'd like to know that German football is in crisis. Traditionally, the best team in Europe, they have won only four of their last 16 games, including, you might remember, going out of the World Cup in December at the group stage. Since the World Cup, Germany have played five friendlies, winning just one and losing three. Next year, Germany will host the European Championships. It must be quite a relief that as hosts. They don't have to qualify.
0: Uh, Germany in decline uh, oh yeah not sure if I'd uh, believe that they're a team that always seem to get it right on the big occasion uh, besides uh, the World Cup last year in Qatar that is but I put my money on them to uh, bounce back thanks a lot Stuart just before I go a couple of other stories coming in late N'Golo Kante who we were talking about earlier has bought a Belgian third tier club Royal Excelsior Verton Kante will take over as chairman of the club uh, on Saturday uh, that's the same date he'll join uh, the Saudi Arabia Pro League side Al Ittihad uh, from Chelsea. And uh, the latest transfer news we're getting, Manchester United have agreed a deal to sign Mason Mount from Chelsea on a five-year deal for $69 million, uh, plus $6 million in add-ons. Uh, Mount, who's 24, will be Eric Ten Hag's first signing of the off-season as he looks to strengthen his side following the qualification for the Champions League. Chelsea spent uh, over $750 million last season, uh, so they needed to sell Mount before the end of June to ease concerns over financial fair play. Right, and before we go, just a reminder of our question on social media this week. Uh, Which player would you like your team to sign? All these big money moves already in the European transfer market. Uh, Besides Mason Mount, there's Jude Bellingham to Real Madrid and Declan Rice to Arsenal, among the most notable. But there's still a long way to go, speculation over the likes of players like Harry Kane. So which player would you like your favourite team to sign? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Which player would you like your team to sign if it was possible? Well, from me, Steve Vickers in Harare and from Ida Waringa and from Stuart Weir, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.